welcome to this week's Pinkham.com Norwich City podcast. You may have listened to our bonus pod on Friday, and there's a good reason that we uh, <laughs> called it a bonus pod and didn't do a full edition, because we had a little concern about Saturday's fixtures, and it seems we were right to, because all that optimism while we were recording the bonus pod on Friday in the wake of the 1-0 win over Leicester was very quickly in a slightly different light on Saturday, thanks to wins for Watford and West Ham. So, I am your host, Dave Freezer. We are also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. I am alongside Connor Southwell, and we're joined by City fan and columnist David Hannon. Dave, first time you've been on the pod for a little while, isn't it? Yeah, I think think since last season, actually. Come yeah. to me. I'm not yeah. sure. You've... you've Underutilized me. I feel like I feel like Mo, the Mo Leitner of the roster. <laughs> well, we we seem to end up recording in service stations and random places like, like that at the moment. So um, you've probably got off lightly. But let's come to you first, as we uh, as you weren't on the on the bonus pod on Friday. Your your initial reaction to to the performance and 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 sort of the character, I suppose, shown to to get a, a win over a, a very good team. Yeah, it was it was a terrific performance. You know, we. Um, contain them very well but also play good attacking football ourselves I don't think it's any coincidence that you know we looked a lot more attacking with um, with Emi Buendia in the team and I, I really see like, him and Duda forming a bit of a partnership and mm. understanding you know they always seem to be buzzing around one another so second yeah. half they they seemed to like grow together didn't they yeah absolutely and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't take Emi out of the team for the rest of the season now you know I kind of defended at the time why he didn't play against Liverpool, but at the same time, you know, if you've got a fit and fire in Emmy Buendia, you need him playing, don't you? Yeah. But you know, against Leicester, I didn't didn't expect to come away with anything. In all honesty, okay, Leicester haven't been at the races last few games, for three or four games, I think without a win before playing here. But you know, I didn't expect um, didn't expect a win, and you know, it could be the one that turns around the season. Mm. On Emmy though, first half he wasn't. I didn't think he was quite himself, was he? Whereas second half, I, I guess the the VAR disallowed goal did kind of breathe uh, fresh life into the whole team, really. But him and him and Duda really seemed to be enjoying themselves. And I mean, Duda should have scored from that one that Emmy set him up for, shouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was frustrating because from I, I sit down the other end, right. um, but could you could see you know if he goes either side of Schmeichel, that's a goal. But he decided to go straight, and it was you know it couldn't have been. I think he made it look a lot more of a tougher save than okay, hit it well. But I think Schmeichel made it a lot more difficult than it was because um, you know it was it was straight down his throat. Mm. But but you know it's going to come for Duda. I think um, you know the the other strike a few minutes earlier was terrific as well, and that he's getting a bit more confidence to get in the box and shoot. But I think that's what Emmy brings. You know he creates that space for other players, and he's always looking for that killer pass that. You know, creates those opportunities. Which, when in the meantime, you know, I I, I, I like um, Lucas Rupp. I rate him as a player, and he makes us look solid. But he doesn't create nearly as much as uh, as Buendia does. And I think with him in the side, if Duda gets more chances, I think he probably will score. Yeah, Rupp's not really a right midfielder, is he? I think um, he has played a bit there in his career, but he's mainly more of a sort of deep lying midfielder, a bit a bit more of a tribal, isn't he? So I'm not sure we've really seen sort of Rupp properly yet. 
But anyway, as we wrapped up recording in the early hours of Saturday morning <laughs> in the uh, wonderful new world of being four points adrift of safety, and I'm sure I said, so I haven't listened to it back, but I'm sure I would have said something along the lines of, well, Watford are at home to Liverpool, so they won't get points. <laughs> but we probably should have seen it coming, shouldn't we? I mean, Norwich obviously gave them a good run for their money in a 1-0, West Ham the Monday before as well, and they, they were... Pretty poor Liverpool, 3-0 defeat at Watford, but it could have been four by the looks of the highlights. Yeah, it could have. I was uh, actually covering uh, Roxham's FA Vars game on, on Saturday, so I sort of got real home. Real football. Yeah, real <laughs> football. And uh, so got home, was about to, to write up all of that and, and thought, I'll just check the score and, and see. <laughs> Expecting Liverpool to be at least 2-0 ahead by that point. And it was it was actually, I, I literally turned it on as uh, the second goal went in, so... That was uh, that was not great. I've not had a great weekend generally. I've actually burnt my hand with a hot water bottle as well, so it's not been a very good weekend, all things considered. But oh, yeah. um, there we go. <laughs> the hands are right. It's the uh, hands yeah. are right. That's a nasty one. Actually. It was. Yeah, I was, I was trying. I put too much water in the hot water bottle. Went to pour it out and poured it all over my hands. So, Disaster. Yeah, it wasn't good. Know what to do there. Don't bother with hot water. <laughs> it's very true. It wasn't for me, but there you go. It's very true. But but yeah, the the results. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't write it. I think I read somewhere that's the first time in five years that all teams who started the weekend in the relegation zone have won. So mm. it just goes to show how unfortunate Norwich City have been. But equally, it's a good job they did win because if not, we'd have been talking oh, yeah. about. Uh, a pretty bleak situation I think but yeah I mean for and, and to be fair in that Liverpool game I suppose there is an argument to say that Norwich could have beaten Liverpool a, a couple of weeks ago maybe you've been super optimistic but they of course lost to Atletico Madrid didn't they afterwards and then um, scraped past West Ham so I, you'd argue it's been coming I'm not entirely surprised against the team at the bottom end of the table but yeah for, for Norwich's cause that hasn't helped things at all well, I'm blaming Tony for all of this, particularly <laughs> as he's not here. Uh, I'm not sure where he is there, actually. I suppose he's recovering from doing the Roxham game probably, as well. Probably abroad, isn't he? Probably, <laughs> yeah, abroad. Prob- probably Morocco or something probably, again, yeah. Australia, where, wherever he's gallivanted off to. <laughs> but he did say on Friday uh, to me, not not during the pod, but um, when we were in the... Uh, no, sorry, it was when we were going to Colney on Wednesday to interview Lucas Rupp, and he said, oh, they'll probably win on Friday, won't they? And then everyone else will win. And that stuck in my head the whole time. And then, lo and behold, that's what happens. And, of course, West Ham decent result as well 3-1 win at home against Southampton it's you know as Connor says there Norwich would have been nine points adrift of safety wouldn't they if they hadn't have got it so I suppose as much as it's frustrating and and sort of almost sods law that they went and won on Saturday at least they're holding up their end of the bargain that's what's going to be important from from between here and the end of the season isn't it yeah precisely I mean it was kind of you know how I, I found out about Liverpool score. I, I was, I think, I was so confident that Liverpool were just going to roll over Watford. I, I didn't watch it, and I, I'd pretty much forgotten it was happening until I get a text through from one of my uh, one of my mates up in Newcastle sends me a text saying Norwich just can't get a break, can they? And it's like, yeah, you've summed that up pretty well. But at the same time, I wasn't, you know, I didn't really act in a kind of doom and gloom way. Okay, it's disappointing that West Ham won, and that. Um, Watford obviously won but at the same time it just underlines just how important it was on Friday that we got the result delay and as as long as we continue to um, to lay down the gauntlet they can't you know they can't win every single game will they because all of them have got to play us mm. so that that's the kind of thing it, like you say if 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 we hadn't have won on Friday and then the same results that have happened then we would have been in, in, in very, very bleak situations. Um, not that it's as bleak as it is. But at the same point, you know, it's a sliding doors type thing, isn't it? You know, if we hadn't have won that game, would those other results have happened? Would, yeah, yeah. you know, it, would Watford have been quite... You'd hope, they, you know, Watford fans would hope they would, but perhaps 
us give us winning was what motivated them so you know there's no way of saying it and all, all we can kind of do is keep getting results ourselves and you know you can't you know your fate's kind of out of your own hands isn't it but when you've got those teams a lot of them have got to come to to Carra Road um, uh, West Ham do or? Yep. yeah and so Brighton. so to Brighton and yeah it's, it's a funny thing the, the weekend results it almost dragged more teams into it isn't it mm. because if looking at the table okay Norwich are on 21 but then there's there's three points separating Brighton in 15th and Villa in in 19th so you can look at it and Norwich say yeah we're six points from safety you could also look at it and say well we're actually we're 11 points off 14th so it's a long, long way to go. I think what I would argue as well, Watford beating Liverpool isn't the reason Norwich are at bottom of the league and cut adrift. It's, it's because Norwich didn't win those games in the early point of the season against Brighton, against Watford, um, against Villa twice. Uh, oh, against that West Watford Ham. game. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's, it's not it's not Watford beating Liverpool, which is the reason Norwich are bottom of the Premier League. It's, yeah, it's their own doing. But they've, they've got a mountain to climb now. I mean, I was I was doing a piece uh, for, the, for the website and the paper tomorrow in terms of looking at everyone's fixtures and sort of worked out if Norwich win all of their home games and manage one away win that's 39 points mm. so that just goes Is to show exactly yeah exactly <laughs> that just goes that just goes to show the uh, the size of the task they have now with 10 games remaining yeah I mean to think that Norwich would win all their home games, I mean, that's just not going to happen, is it? To, that would be such a lurch in the other direction. You would like to think that they would at least win a good chunk of them and be in with a with a good shout of it. But the, uh, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? 39 points, I think that that's going to be the sort of thing you, you'll need to survive. I don't think 36 is going to do it. I think it's going to be closer to 40. But yeah, so fixture-wise, who was it you highlighted earlier, Connor, who's got a real grim run? Brighton have so I'll just run through their remaining 10 so they, they start with obviously Wolves away uh, next weekend then they've got Arsenal at home Leicester away Manchester United at home uh, Norwich away Liverpool at home Manchester City at home Southampton away Newcastle at home and Burnley so that, that just goes to show beyond perhaps the last three games a really tough sort of stretch of games for Brighton um, and I think it is Watford as well who, uh, to be fair I think Bournemouth have got quite a bad run and they've, they've still got to play Liverpool Manchester United Man City Leicester Tottenham um, even Villa have, have got to play Chelsea Liverpool Manchester United mm. Arsenal so some really tough runnings there and, and you would argue probably out of all of them Norwich is, is probably one of the most favourable but again it's, <coughs> it's just whether or not the damage has been done by this point Although that is also what Arsenal away, Chelsea away, Man City away yeah. for Norwich. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's a fair bit of straw clutching here. We know that. I mean, I guess in percentage terms, you're talking what ninety percent likelihood that Norwich are going down, despite the the little bit of um, positivity and and hope that's been brought forward by Friday. But David, from a fan's perspective, would you be happy? if they went down as long as they went down swinging and they're not relegated in early April and you know they've they've shown put together more performances like Friday could you stomach relegation as long as they come close to it I think now asking me that question now yeah ask me at the start of the season would you have taken it I was like well you know I was a lot more optimistic and I was thinking well you know I don't think relegation is really what we're thinking about at this point yeah I think I could deal with you know, I'm kind of been resigned for a little while to the fact that probably I, don't, I think 90% is a little bit unfair. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe you know 
80 percent i mean that was a completely <laughs> off, the top, off, the, <laughs> off the top of my head <laughs> what, you mean, you, there's what? no mathematics so in that the background whiteboard, your whiteboard you've got by your desk <laughs> with all kinds of symbols and division <laughs> yeah. signs was, was totally unrelated no I don't insert know. gif of beautiful mind here <laughs> <laughs> exactly no see yeah as long as as long as they do give it a real go and i, I don't think that's ever ever been there's no been, not been any question of Norwich's you know work ethic and that they are trying. Um, I think that there's been about two no shows all season, um, and you probably find two no shows last season when they walked to the league. So you know bad days happen, but yeah, as long as we're in touch, kind of thing. I think at the minute, you know, it, you know the points situation. I think does flatter some of the other teams, but particularly you know yeah. we keep hearing. I don't want to be hearing people calling us the best bottom of the league team or whatever. but it's not just Danny Murphy saying that no is it it's kind of quite a few people have said that um, yeah I mean I think you know obviously I'm not going to would you take relegation well no I don't want to ideally but you know as long as the performances are there and as long as that you know yeah I suppose that's all you can really ask at this point in the situation we are in Yeah, I see them as a mid-table team who have had a Bad luck. I think they they should. Yeah. They are a Premier League team. If they hadn't have had so many injuries and hadn't have, you know, just literally two or three more chances taken, and they would have been at the right time, and they would have been in mid table. I predicted they'd finish fifteenth this season. And I still think, had they not had the defensive injury crisis, they would have. Uh, well, they, we're all, I think, in the same boat in saying yeah. they'd have been in a better position than they are now, aren't we? But. Um, it knocked the wind out of the sails, isn't it? When you go up, this you know when you get promoted, any newly promoted team, as Sheffield United have proved, is the most important thing is having a good start and building momentum and carrying on the momentum you had from the high of going up. And Sheffield United did that. And you know, although you look at some of the early games, you know, Man City was within the first five or six games, so was Newcastle, two wins there. But at the same time, it very quickly the injuries kept piled in, and all that momentum that we had from walking the, the title had been dwindled to the point that, you know, it was fighting an uphill battle again. Right, well, let's take a bit of a step backwards <laughs> and um, ha- hear a bit from Jamal Lewis, who, of course, scored that brilliant goal on Friday night. His f- first league goal of his career, his second of his Norwich City career, and there was just 80 games between the two goals. Uh, a a t- top night for, for him, really took his moment. And uh, we will also bring you a little bit of Max Aarons later on. We're also going to bring in our colleague, Andrew Fitchett, who's a big Tottenham fan. Uh, he's, and we're going to preview Wednesday night's game uh, more fully. But after we've heard from Jamal, we'll have a bit of a chat about him and Max. It was huge. It was huge. It was <coughs> our main point this week was we needed a reaction from Wolves. We was really disappointed with that performance and how it came across because we we felt that we prepared for that game very well. So yeah, it, the main thing was a reaction to show the fans that we were still pushing, we still believe, and yeah, it was great. It was great to get a clean sheet as well. That's right. We had a brilliant view of it in the press box. I mean. You, you pick your moments, don't you? Because the Chelsea one was obviously so memorable. Yeah. But you've had to wait quite a long time for your first. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would say I'm quite a balanced fullback, but I like to get forward, you know. So I feel like I should probably get into them positions a little bit more because I, I believe that I can get get in the positions and help the team out. So me and Max are always kind of joking around saying that we need to get on each other's end of the crosses. Um, obviously, it's a bit up and down of the game. And I kind of saw that he might kind of stick this one further away. So I thought, you know what? Let me just try get onto it and just get the technique right and yeah, hit it perfect.
So yeah, that's Jamal. Great night for him, a memorable night. We'll see how memorable by what happens in this next ten games, I suppose. Because if 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 they go and pull off the great escape, and they, as I've plucked out of the air, manage the ten percent chance, then and survive, then it's going to prove to be a very famous goal. Him and Max overall, though, um, how do we sort of evaluate their seasons? I mean, Max was really good Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Best player on the pitch, in my opinion, on Friday. I, I think uh, they've, they've both had interesting seasons because I think coming into this season, if, if Norwich fans were to look at an area and say, right, those two we can we can bank on and, and we know that they're probably going to play all the games, you'd have looked at the full-back areas after last season. And certainly for Jamal, that hasn't been the, the case. I think he's obviously been a bit unfortunate with it was injury wasn't it they kept him out of the side and then Byram came in and, and did really well and that's been a new challenge for him to sort of uh, have to overcome Max Aarons I think we've seen a real change in since probably early December in fairness where I think he's really shown that he can adapt um, that performance at Tottenham away really stands out to me as, as him proving that he he is of Premier League quality um, and, and I think Friday night was another example of just how much they can contribute to Norwich's uh, attacking game when, when they really get going and when, when they can um, attack teams I suppose and, and it did help that Norwich's central midfielders almost peeled off and protected the space because otherwise they'd have had Harvey Barnes running in at them which uh, I think we saw in the first half isn't something that they wanted but I think for both of them it's been a really challenging season that they've probably responded to quite well I think Aaron's has probably come out with a few more plaudits but that's simply because he's played a bit more I think Byron kept Lewis out of the team and, and deservedly so on his performances at left back and I think, to be fair, since Lewis has came in, perhaps beyond that, that first half on Friday night, he's, he's been pretty good, pretty solid, pretty reliable. Um, again, still, uh, I know he scored on Friday, but I'd still like to see a bit more from him consistently from, a, from an offensive sense. But um, I think they're, they're going to show why, that, why they're so highly rated because they aren't in the mould of sort of typical British fullbacks. I don't think, who, who think about defending. They're, they're actually quite innovative and they help Norwich's build-up play as well. So I think certainly in the last... 10, 9 games I think that they've been a lot better um, but yeah for me Max Aarons has, has probably edged it um, in, in terms of the season Yeah they both were talking along the lines of it being Max's first assist as well I mean um, I don't think he is really he, Is he claiming that as an assist? <laughs> yeah uh, Yes definitely Fair enough um, <laughs> well, I thought I would in fairness Yeah, so. yeah as would I uh, but I think he's already got an assist in my head uh, he won the penalty uh, was it against Bournemouth? Um, from which Pookie scored. Uh, oh, it would have been the other one, wouldn't it? Born would have been the man, the Spurs one, wasn't it? The Bournemouth one was the, the dude to hand, the yeah, hand yes, ball, was the Spurs one. Yeah, yeah the Spurs, so yeah. Spurs away. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah, when he charged into the box. Now, in my mind, I think that's an assist. He charges into the box, wins the tackle, but whatever. I, I hate assists as a stat, you know. I know it does points in fantasy football. You can get assists football. to assists now. Well, it's just, when, <laughs> is, it gonna, when is it going to end? It's like, <laughs> you know... In a way, surely everyone assists in a build-up to a goal. It's just the final pass. It's like, you know, the thing that most comes up with most most nonsense about it is like, could you picture? I don't know. Someone plays this stunning, raking forty-yard pass across the across the pitch, and somebody else, you know, nods it on. Who gets the assist? The person who played that stunning pass, or someone who just yeah. got his head on the end of it. Things like that. It's like. You know, Emmy takes could take it past six players, square it to someone who then lays it off, and the person who lays it off gets the assist. So it's, it's just nonsense. Like I think people are getting so obsessed with stats, <laughs> and don't get me started on expected goals. Well, we won't, Dave. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I, I won't go into expected assists then. But uh, I'm just looking on on transfer mark now. They are giving Max Aaron's that assist for the uh, the penalty against Spurs. So they're, they? they're claiming he has two assists this Good. season. Well, I am a bit of a transfer market. Um, 
Disciple, because I think it's a great website. You can find anything on there, can't you? Um, so, yeah, in my mind, that's two assists for Max. Um, anywho, to follow up your point, though, Dave, uh, great raking crossfield pass from Ben Godfrey, from yeah. which Max then got that assist. So, um, yeah, it is... Uh, you can you can do what you want with assist essentially, but coming back to Max and Jamal, I, I mean Max has come close to a goal a few times in recent weeks and has been in really good form, isn't he? And uh, it was Wolves in the second half. He arguably came the closest to scoring, didn't he? And I went and watched him in uh, play for the under twenty ones England under twenty ones at MK Dons uh, when they smashed Austria whenever that was October earlier this season, and just seeing Max in that company with uh, Hudson Adoy and Foden and all those sort of top level players, he just looks like he fits in. He looks like he's comfortable amongst that caliber of player. So, would you say he's probably the one that you're most confident is is probably going to be sold in the summer but just because he's going to be the one who's going to be most in demand I wouldn't want to say to be honest the one for me the one who you'd you'd expect the most to be sold out of all of the squad is Buendia but Mm. I I don't know why for whatever reason you're not hearing too many whispers about people being interested in him whether it's purely that the other lads have got far more active agents busy agents it could be that (laughs) or just the fact that they're young and English and talented clearly that Obviously, there's a premium about that. But yeah, you'd think Max is the one that most people will be, you know, more people will be interested in. And the things that you wouldn't... I suppose the rumours we've been hearing of them seem... To me, I don't know, I've got no inside knowledge of my own, but it feels like, you know, Spurs going in for Aaron's or something to that effect seems more plausible than, I don't know, Liverpool being interested in Todd Cantwell, which, you know, I, I don't see in the slightest. But, you know, I might be wrong on that one. But... Yeah, Matt, I think the thing is with the fullbacks is, you know, Max really has come into his own the last few weeks. But I do wonder whether earlier in the se- in the season, whether they were perhaps a little bit guilty of, I don't know, believing their own hype or or letting their heads be turned too much. Because they did seem a little bit access that they weren't quite hitting the performance levels they were last season when they're kind of breaking in and proving themselves. So I don't know whether there was a case of people, fit, you know, them feeling that they maybe they'd arrived, but now have been given a kick up the backside perhaps as it were but yeah they're, they're starting to look a lot lot more assured and I think Lewis is, the time out that he's had from being behind Byron probably has done him a world of good because he's looked lively in every game he's played since then um, but I, I'm, I do still find that the amounts and the figures and the amounts of rumours very strange for particularly those three Godfrey Lewis and and Aaron's considering they are they are in the worst defence in the league. You you hit the nail on the head about active agents, didn't you? You know, um, Stuart Weber said it in the recent interview with Pad that um, if a big club wants one of these players, they just go and do it. So you know, if Liverpool want to go and get Wendy for forty million, there's no need to leak it, is it? They just get it sorted behind the scenes. Look at the Madison deal, the way that Stuart yeah. has spoken about how basically they were speaking to Leicester for quite a while weren't they and that one was ironed out and they talked it through for, for months really because I mean Stuart openly admitted that he'd never even dealt with a transfer of, of 20 million plus before so yeah I I mean I, I think most Norwich fans would say that you know if Liverpool are going to buy one of Norwich's attacking midfielders there's going to be Wendy ahead of Campbell I, I would have thought but um, yeah on, on Max I agree with you as well and in terms of both of them that the, the first half of the season they they were they were learning a lot I think weren't they yeah I'll, I'll make a separate point on Max Aarons which I think he's he's become a much better defender this season and, and I think that's that's probably typical given given how much uh, Norwich have had to defend but 
I, I think he has improved individually in, in sort of 1v1 situations, but that, that's natural. I think you, you touched upon the, the early half of the season and I, I don't think they did hit the performance levels, but equally that's, that's because you can't go forward with the same confidence if you know you're going to be punished in behind if, if your team loses possession. So I think they've had to adapt their game slightly. I, I think Aaron's is where he was. I mean, he was, quite, he was very attacking last season. I think he's had to become a bit more rounded. Um, I think he looks more assured defensively. I think last season uh, he, could, he could probably, I mean, he didn't have to do too much in terms of defensively because often his pace makes up for it. But certainly in the Premier League, you have to be good against quality wingers and, and in 1v1 situations because if you commit or your body shape's not right or your position is not right then defender's got and the attacker's gone so I think he's had to improve that side of his game and I think he, he is a more balanced fullback now and I think that is why he's probably edged certainly in my mind a bit further ahead than, than Jamal Lewis but I, I think this is a crucial period for Lewis as well because he's had to overcome adversities of his own this season I remember that Burnley game at Turf Moor where every pass he played that was misplaced he, he got um, he, well, he was the subject of, of laughter really wasn't he from the, from, the, uh, from the home supporters and he's had to respond to that he's had to respond to an injury he's had to respond to being out of the team a little bit um, in a losing team which he's not really experienced since uh, coming into the fold so it's been, it's been a real steep learning curve for them both um, and he's going to make them better players whether that's for Norwich or, or whether that's elsewhere Paddy asked um, Daniel Farker about Jamal after the Liverpool game and then I was headlining Paddy's uh, piece that was then featured in the paper middle of last week and I, I put the headline on it uh, something along the lines of just watch Jamal fly now says Farker <laughs> so he nailed that one didn't he um, anyway uh, I I, th- I think we'd have seen much more from the both of them if they'd have been able to play as wing-backs this season Great. and they could have played three yeah, at the back. Agreed. But as Daniel has said several times recently, he's just not had those options. Anyway, that is a good point. We will come on to the Tottenham game next, but let's hear a little bit from Max Ahrens after Friday's game. Yeah, massive. Um, you know, we've had the performances like that, I'd say, and, and we've not finished off the game in the right way. You know, we've not got the, the, the wins that we deserve. Um and we haven't shut off games how we wanted to. So for us to have a performance like that, you know, it was um, it was gritty and it was hard, but um, we managed to get over the line today. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've never once felt that we're down, down and out. Um, as crazy as it must sound, you know, looking at the table, um, we've never once felt that we're down and out. You know, we always felt like we've got performances like this in us, um, but we just needed it to be on a more consistent basis, and we needed it to to happen more regularly. So um, yeah, we've always had the belief that, that we can get out of it. Today and, and the Man City game, obviously, are two standout ones for, for our home performances. And uh, we need to keep that level. Um, we've got 10 games now left and um, we, we definitely have to, you know, we have to keep that level or, or if not better and, and shut off games even more, you know, score more goals. And, um, and, and definitely we have to keep that going. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Right, we welcome a new voice to the podcast, uh, Andrew Fitchett, who is part of our news team alongside Dave, who is a big Tottenham fan, is going to give us a bit of an insight into life under Mourinho. Uh, Fitchett, first explain to us um, how you came to be a Tottenham fan. Probably like most people, Dave, you know, um, couldn't get out of it. Family, um, growing up in Thetford, obviously all ex-Cockneys, <laughs> all, um, all came up here sort of in the 80s my family all season ticket holders I didn't really have any choice at all first game I ever went to was actually at Carrow Road but it was watching Tottenham okay. um, and then the first game I went to at White Hart Lane really enough was 
against Norwich. And I don't think you'd beaten us there in two decades, but you beat us 3-1. It yeah. was in the, the Mike Walker days. So um, not great memories, to be honest, of seeing, <laughs> of seeing um, Tottenham play Norwich. But um, I am going on Wednesday. And, Excellent. Uh, That's what yeah, I was going to say. say. <laughs> right, OK. Yeah, I'm going on Wednesday. And um, I suppose we'll get on to predictions and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. lately. But I am a little bit trepidatious and that will probably come out. In the next couple of minutes, yeah. Trepidatious. That's too big a word for this podcast. Come on. Sorry. Too highbrow, mate. Worried. Worried. <laughs> Worried. Yeah. Uh, right, well, we know who to give credit if uh, Tottenham lose then. Yeah. To kick off with, um, obviously injuries having a big part at the moment um, mm. with Kane and Son missing out, um, looking like they're not going to be back till, towards the end of the season. Is it? Where does this sort of rank in priorities for you guys in terms of do you expect Mourinho to go full strength and really have a crack at the FA Cup? I think he will because there was obviously there was a, a bit of momentum a couple of weeks ago in Manchester City and the whole news about the, the Champions League and we, the fifth place might be enough to get in there. And since then, we've played two of our biggest rivals in that race, Wolves and Chelsea, and lost to both of them and really lost ground. And I think he would have been looking at that as an opportunity to, right, that's how we're going to get into Europe next season and that's how we're going to get some success. But knowing Mourinho, you know, he's all about trophies he, he, if, if Tottenham go and win the FA Cup, he, all the rest of the season to him, as far as he's concerned, will be totally forgotten. Yeah. The, the terrible football we've played, the way we've capitulated against teams around us, the kind of negative style we've had against the, in a lot of the big games. Um, so I think he will. I think he will go out. The other thing is I don't think he really knows which strongest team is. Right. Um, we've had so much chopping and changing the last few weeks. Um, when did he come in? It was November, was it? For it was November, yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, it was a really quick yeah. transition, wasn't it? Um, but I know, for instance, on Sunday, I know it's the first game since 2012 that either Alderweireld or Vertonghen hasn't played. And, you know, we think about up front, that's a bit, lot of flux at the moment with no Kane, no Son. But at the back as well, he just doesn't know what his best team is. And he doesn't know what his best midfield is either. You know? right. and Dom, sounding better and better for Minaj, right? Yeah. Does we, he know we, his best keeper? Uh, well, just about, but Hugo Lloris couldn't play on Sunday. I don't know what, what the situation is for Wednesday. Um, but, for example, Tongi and Dombele, who played 90 minutes against Norwich at Carrow Road, um, looked quite good in that game, I thought. And he's our record sign. Oh, one, is he our record? Yes, he's a record signing, um, and hasn't been able to play a game, two games in a trot for us. You know, hasn't played hardly any football. Looks a real talent, but hardly ever plays. So we're kind of one week it's Dyer and Winks. Then Dyer played at the back on Sunday. Uh, then Sissoko has always been playing there as well, but he's injured. It, it's it's a bit all over the place for Spurs fans at the moment. I don't think anyone really knows what the best team looks like. The only thing we do know is we had some bright spots with. Jaffet Tenganga coming in, young lad, looks like a good talent. Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso started playing, he yeah, looks he really good. good. Yeah. Um, but goodness knows what team's going to play on Wednesday, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. So three defeats on the spin. Mm. Do, you, do you smell blood, Dave? Do you, do you think that Norwich are going to have the bit between their teeth? They're going to, particularly because of January, a, a game that they should have at least got a point from, I would have thought. And if they'd have, once again, how many times we've said this, if they'd have taken their chances, they could have even won. Do you see it as potentially a decent tie for Norwich? I mean, I'm going to be very careful with my words here because I know that Fitch will remind me exactly word for word what I say <laughs> come Thursday morning. But, you know, it does feel like, you know, it's a good opportunity to do something in the FA Cup that Norwich has had for a long time. And that kind of does, it obviously that's a testament to how bad we've been in the cup in latest times, but 
you know, we've played Spurs twice recently and there's not really been anything between the two sides in either occasion, you know. The the width of the width <laughs> the width of Pookie's beard. If he'd have had a shave that morning, perhaps he would have been on side, and that could have been a different story. And then a bobble that can end up absolutely anywhere happens to land on Son's head two centimeters out from goal. Um, but you know, there's going to be nine thousand City fans going. There'll be a hell of an atmosphere yeah. there, and you know, it's there's always a talk of this being a distraction and. I don't see it that way. I think winning is a, a is a mentality, and I was just kind of talking off off air as it was to Connor a minute ago. Um, if last season we were saying, you know, you play Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, Sunday, Tuesday, or whatever it is, um, you're not going to be turning around saying, oh, maybe we should have, maybe we should think about resting Pookie or resting the team for the midweek game. So just because it's in a different competition doesn't mean it should really, I think, be treated as any differently to any other tournament. So you'd kind of look at it as a chance to build momentum. And it's not really a great deal to lose if you do lose. Yeah, I think on this occasion, you're not going to hear very many Norwich fans at all talking about resting players. I think it's going to be two or three. For me, it's just Pookie and Tetty, really, who I'd be looking to, to have on the bench. Uh, and bring in Dermic and, and Tribal or, or Vrancic, um, you know, just tweaking rather than wholesale changes because they want to take this seriously. This would be the biggest away following since Wembley in 2015, which was, well, they had 39,000 tickets. And the last time they took such a big away following was to Arsenal, to North London. You know, we, you know the, the geography obviously plays a part in this, which was, I think, 8,400 or 8,700 fans, something along those lines. So, only the fifth time in 28 years they're in the fifth round trying to get in the quarterfinals for the first time since 1992 we all know that the club has struggled in the FA Cup so Connor, I mean this is one they've really got to go hell for leather at haven't certainly nothing to lose uh, no one's going to fancy them um, perhaps beyond their own fan base I don't think everyone's going to be looking at Jose Mourinho is going to be desperate for a trophy I mean how much uh, for him personally it'd take uh, so much well, he'd, he'd love to get a trophy where Pochettino failed, I think. And uh, I think it was you actually described him as the big Sam of the top six, didn't you? Which is quite, a, quite. <laughs> did a, I? I think you did, yeah. In one of our car journeys, which but is quite. He, a, he's certainly not the special one anymore, no, is he? He's, he's sort no. of like the the average one. No, but if, if he can win Spurs' first trophy since what 2008, I think yeah. it was League Cup. Then for him, that's that's massive, isn't it? He can say, well, look, forget forget Europe, forget yeah. the league. This is what I've brought to you, and, um, and and kick on for next season. So I think. Norwich in, in many ways have got quite a difficult tie because they're not facing a, a big team like, like Arsenal wearing the League Cup when perhaps they're, they're going to rest some players and Eddie and Ketia will come on. It, it'll be a, a Spurs team that are going to want to win with a manager who wants to win the competition. So in many ways it's going to be a difficult tie. But with 9,000 supporters, which is incredible considering where they are in the league and um, the fact this is a midweek game and yes, it's a one-off and yes, it's the FA Cup and yes, they could get to the quarter-final. But still, I think to sell 9,000 tickets is, is incredible. I'm not sure too many other clubs would do that, certainly of, of Norwich City's size. Um, but yeah, nothing to lose. That's that's the way they've got to approach it. I think they're, they're going to have a group of players who um, are, are going to want to progress and going to want to win. They've got a coach who is, is German, German coach t- German coaches take uh, cup competitions very seriously. English coaches perhaps don't as much. Um, it's going to be a really interesting tie. I think if Norwich can, and this is probably uh, where Dave's talk of resting players doesn't fit in, but I think if Norwich can take it the distance and try and push it into extra time and, and potentially penalties, then I think they may they may have a really good chance of, of grabbing something uh, on, on Wednesday, which would be tremendous uh, to talk about Norwich City in a, in a quarter-final of the FA Cup. 
Yeah, and that's worth emphasising as well that um, no replays after the fifth round. It will be settled on the night. And also the sixth round draw follows the game straight away as well. Um, Sheffield Wednesday Man City, I think, is the game which has been shown live um, on BBC. And they are so they once that is concluded on the night, the sixth round draw will follow. So, you know, if that one goes to penalties, but Norwich won in 90 minutes, for instance, uh, then we've got a, a strange little wait to find out who it will be. Um, Fitch, as a as a Spurs fan, what do you make of the Tottenham selling 9,000 tickets? I mean, they priced it quite fairly. I think mm-hmm. it was 25 quid for adults. Yeah. Have, uh, that, I'm presuming that isn't a common thing for them to sell so many tickets for away. Does it irk you a little bit? Well, the last, I mean, obviously the last season, every time I've been, the, the away end has sold out because it's got, obviously it's first time for a lot of fans coming to the stadium. Um, but they, they actually, for this game, I'm going for hardly anything. It's going with my brother and his kids, actually, because I've yeah. got a family ticket and it's about 50 quid for four of us. Right. So it's hardly anything. And I was just looking and it's a close to a sellout, but there's a few tickets going and they're all up for 25 quid. Um, for what's worth going back to what you're saying, Connor, I, I, I really think Norwich got a great chance in this game. I, you know, when we played last time at the Tottenham Stadium, it wasn't until about the last 15 minutes that Norwich seemed to sort of take the handbrake off and really think about having a go at Spurs. And I thought we looked rattled. Um, and that's been the tale of our season. We seem to either play um, really defensive against the big sides, and when we play against everyone else, we're really open. And if Norwich go for it, Tottenham haven't got the firepower to finish you off. You know, this is this quite frank. If we even if we create a load of chances, we saw it against Wolves on on Sunday. We probably probably should have been three or four up in that game when they equalised, and that gave them momentum to come back in the game. I think if Norwich really go for it, they've got a really good chance of winning this. Who do you think will play up front? Because Bergwijn's come in, isn't he? And uh, you, so it's basically sort of him, Mora, or Ali. Sure, sure, it's Mora who's it's sort of the. the well. Oh yeah, he, well, yeah. I was just talking to Ian Clark about this actually, and. Um, yeah, I think it will be Bergvine and Moore because he's got no other options. Delhi will play in and around and kind of flits between 9 and 10. But I think you'll probably see Troy Parrott get some more minutes because yeah. there's a real clamour for him. Is he actually a striker though? Because for Ireland under-21s, Adam Eder is the striker and Parrott seems to play more as a, as a wide player. I, I think he's played as a, as a number nine, yeah. Right. Yeah, I certainly got a good goal-scoring record from when he's okay. played there. And I know he's, he's played for the first team now, Republic of Ireland. Yeah. Um, I know the fans will really want to see him, and certainly if we go a couple of goals up, there'll be a lot big clamour for him to come on. Yeah. But that's more—he's more just helpful in a positional sense. No one who really knows what he can do. But yeah, I think it'd be more in Bergvine, and Bergvine's are great, and more is sometimes good, sometimes awful. Scored <laughs> um, a Champions League quarter-final hat trick, was it? <laughs> well, that's it. He, he, I think last season he scored two hat tricks, and then goes ten games without scoring. He's, he's that sort of player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really think Norwich got a good chance. I just think it's about the approach. I was quite disappointed. I, you know, Norwich kind of my second team, living in the city, family, a lot of family of Norwich fans. And I was quite disappointed in Farker at the Tottenham Stadium. I thought he really should have got the team on the front foot much sooner in the game, been more aggressive with his substitutions. I thought it took far too long to make a change. I think Hernandez, it was who came on, who hasn't had a great season, and he's injured, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the way it changed the approach, it just made it, and it was actually the penalty, wasn't it? Aaron's bursting into the box, winning that penalty. And I just thought, wow, we're, we're in a game here, and you're right, Dave was right, we got a lucky goal, um, or slightly lucky goal to, to nick it, but it could have easily gone the other way. So I don't think Norwich should come there with any fears. I think that should be really, really 
going out from the traps, yeah. Right. Well, you boys, I'm going to come to you and ask for sort of the teams that you'd play. So just have a think about that while I ask Fitch one more. You sort of hinted at it a little bit, but really, what's what's sort of the general feeling about Mourinho? Because being a former Chelsea manager and things like that, it didn't seem like Tottenham fans were wholly on board with the appointment to start with. And he seems to be getting increasingly grumpier by the week, albeit that you know the injuries have been pretty harsh. I think there's I think there's two camps. I think there's people who've watched us play against Liverpool and Leipzig and Chelsea and go on the back foot and really park the bus and kind of be negative. And after years of Pochettino, who didn't matter where we were playing, it was almost to the point of naivety, you know, we'd be in the Bernabeu way, trying to get on the ball, press them from the front, be really aggressive. Um, there's been a real shift of people feeling like, well, you know, we're not, we're not that side anymore, we're not brave anymore, we don't go for it. Um, the other half, the other camp, is really saying, "Well, look at the injuries. Who, what you take 150 million pounds worth of strikers out of your team, who who is going to do well? You know, you take Aguero and Sterling out of City, they're going to struggle. You take Salah and and Mane out of Liverpool, they're going to struggle. It doesn't matter who you are. The you know teams just don't have those players in backup. But it's more the approach. I think that's what people are worried about. Having said that, if we go and win a trophy, a lot of people will say, oh, yeah. fair enough." Absolutely, and for Tottenham, winning the FA Cup would be a massive, massive deal, wouldn't it? Because it's so important to the history of the club. Uh, right, Mr Hannan, I'll come to you first. Uh, team selection, what changes would you make? Um, well, I don't think you can change the back five other than maybe bringing in Fairman for, for Krull. Yeah. Um, back four would be the same, he's not really got any other option there. I think I'd bring in Vrancic for, for Tetti. Um, alongside uh, McLean? Yeah, alongside McLean and... The rest as is, maybe Dermich for, for Pukki. Yeah, okay. Uh, and Connor? Yeah, I, I think uh, probably two changes for me. I think I'd, I'd probably drop out Duda and Pukki and bring in uh, Steepman and, and, and Dermich, to be honest. I, th- I think they'd be my two changes. Um, just on Tetti, I, I think he's someone that, particularly in a game like this, does need to play. I know fitness is, is probably going to depend on, well, probably decide on if he if he does or if he doesn't, but for me they they look so soft, to be honest defensively, without him in the side, so I would fear for them a little bit if they didn't have Alex Tetty and, and McLean, who I think have uh, have made them a bit more solid um, I think Stephen and Faduda makes sense, and, and, and Dermot obviously for Puki, who I think is, is looking a bit mentally fatigued, so so they're the changes I'd make um, and then, yeah, I, I think it was probably harsh on Vrancic, and I, I think it's probably been harsh on him that he hasn't played more football this season but uh, yeah certainly one for the bench I think for, for me Rancic but yeah I'd, I'd only make the two changes and certainly try and, and go for continuity I think yeah um, I think I would I, definitely I'd put Dermich in ahead of Pukki just because Pukki needs a little rest and I think Dermich needs the minutes uh, and looks hungry to be fair he's covered the last two games when he's coming as a sub he's really put himself about I would stick with Duda just to try and help him build a bit of momentum um, on, the, on the back of a good second half um, and, and central midfield I would be tempted to go tribal and Vrancic just I'd be surprised to see Daniel do it um, but I think Tetti and McLean are definitely going to be needed Zimmerman will find out at the press conference on Tuesday whether he's in contention but equally you know if he's on the bench great but I would say his fitness is more it's more important to have him ready for Sheffield United so I'd stick with Hanley and Godfrey and with those two I was pleased to see that they switched at, at Wolves Godfrey was on the right and Hanley was on the left and Godfrey looked really uncomfortable didn't he because he's used to being on the left that switch did seem to to make a lot of sense against Leicester on Friday so we shall see it's going to be a really interesting night it's certainly going to be a memorable one with 9,000 Norwich fans there but um 
Fitchit, thank you. Oh, sorry, Andrew. Fine, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so used to calling you Fitchit, but I should really call you Andrew on here, shouldn't I? I forget that your name's Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you it's like whenever someone will say, oh, um, oh, Andrew said this, like, who? Yeah, yeah. My, same with one of my friends calls uh, my mate Tom, and I've called him Seely my entire life. I've never called him Tom. <laughs> um, I'm sure everybody's got friends like that. I can't even, can't even remember what their first name is. But Andrew Fitchit, <laughs> thank you for joining us. You and my mum call me Andrew Dave. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, leave it there. Leave it there. We'll leave it there. But uh, we, we might have to get you on for a short cameo appearance based on what happens on Wednesday. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll see. And um, thank you, chats for very much as well uh, thank you for listening if you ever get a chance to leave us a rating or a review it would be very much appreciated you can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM and of course at pinkin.com at pinkin.com I should say not the <laughs> at pinkin.com and we'll have all the build up to the Tottenham game and we'll be there on the night you can follow things on the Pinkin app as well thank you very much for listening we will catch up with you very soon